Welcome, Desert Illusions. I am so excited to welcome our guest who has been a part of two late-night animated comedy blocks. Uh, he's the head writer of Robot Chicken on Adult Swim and is the creator of the new show Devil May Care on the Sci-Fi Channel starring the great Alan Tudyk. I'm uh, so excited to talk with him. We have Douglas Goldstein. Douglas, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I've had my cup of coffee and that's that means I'm awake. Yes. And I'm glad to be here. <laughs> We don't really talk about when we're recording that much on the show, but uh, it's a nice. Uh, it's always it's always fun to talk about late night TV at uh, ten in the morning. <laughs> well, anyone, it's funny how many people I ask. Oh, you saw the show, so you stayed up till midnight, and they're like, "No, no, I got it on TiVo." Like, I don't know if anyone actually stayed up that late. Well, it's funny. I mean, a then and now kind of thing. I remember. You know, when Robot Chicken premiered, uh, it was, you know, kind of the uh, I was in high school and it was it was kind of like a really fun thing to have uh, sleepovers. And, you know, you're blowing pot smoke out the window and you're watching Adult Swim and all of like all of that fun stuff. And now I am asleep basically a half hour after Adult Swim comes on. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's that's part of the success of all the shows that are on Adult Swim is that if they were on in prime time when you're fully awake. You'd be like, what? What is this? But, you know, at midnight, most of your brain's already shut down, and you're like, uh, what? And then suddenly everything's genius. Yeah, I think that's probably, uh, there's probably something to that. Uh, Devil May Care, I, you know, I try to normally with podcast episodes go as far as we can into the episode before I mention the pandemic, and yet. <laughs> There have been a couple of times where we've successfully gotten through. I've realized that we we didn't even mention it at all, and it's like great because you know that w there are people who are still downloading episodes we did two years ago. And I, I for a while at least, I was really kind of worried that uh, this th back back thinking when the pandemic would only last a couple of months. I was hoping that they weren't all marked with that. But a year later, here we are. Uh, I so Devil May Care is a show that uh, is about uh, hell, literally. And it stars the devil and uh, his social media manager, Beans, and uh, this is President McKinley. It's really fascinating characters. But the first thing that I really – I think it was probably around episode two where I realized that I was kind of jealous of hell um, in terms of I would rather live in the hell that you created than <laughs> the hell that is <laughs> – that is here, and I, I feel like on top of that even, you know, uh, living in Southern California, nobody wants to hear me complain about the pandemic because they're all freezing their asses off in uh, the rest of the world. But uh, hell, mm. your world building, it's, it's really quite spectacular. Well, it's kind of funny that you say that you'd rather be there because, you know, the idea is that anything that is less than completely perfect ends up in hell. Like, why would, why would God bring anything to heaven that he doesn't, you know, absolutely want to spend eternity with? So a lot of times it comes down to my opinion of what is not perfect. Like, there's a, a restaurant that only serves kale. And I'm like, to me, that's hell. But to a lot of people, I'm going to be like, don't be fun of kale, man. Kale's awesome. So it's funny to hear people say, like, yeah, that hell's awesome. Or like, oh, why'd you put that thing in hell? That's awesome, you know? So when you're watching the show, it's almost like this is Doug's opinion of what sucks. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't think of it that way. That's a good point, though. I mean, I also I watched uh, last night the episode, uh, which 
I don't want to get into broadly, no spoilers. I don't think it's probably premiered yet. Uh, you make a reference to um, Gwyneth Paltrow. She's got that famous company where you uh, they. It's actually a running joke on this show that uh, I have. I've sent uh, her press team numerous emails asking for direct clarification of whether uh, goop vagina stones are good for transgender vaginas. Because I have, <laughs> I, I got mine last year, and the first thing after, like it was all healed and stuff. I wanted to put goop stuff in it, and my doctor was like, I, I wouldn't tell anyone to do that. Um, is that not on their website? That should be like part of their their products pitch or something. So my lawyer partner basically like specified, like if they said they're okay and it, they turned out they were not okay, that direct email could indicate liability. I don't, I don't know. But if that's but you kind know of- what? If it's not okay and you want to sue, that's like free money. <laughs> so it's a win-win. So, I mean, there's kind of a big contrast. I, I mean, ro- part of the beauty of Robot Chicken is, um, you know, the, the, the format, your segments, they can kind of go as long or as short as you want. Like, some of them will even just have one line and some will have gone extended riffs for more than a minute. And I, I, I've, I, I get from, like, a creator standpoint, uh, it can be kind of daunting to try and cram all of those, uh, all of that... Uh, like all the gags and stuff or, or having to go kind of a mile a minute. And th- at the same time, I, I've got to think it's kind of like liberating that, you know, you're not as constrained by your time limit, given the sense that you can kind of make it all as long or as short as you want. Well, it's a double-edged sword because on Robot Chicken, I think the time limit really saves a lot of our material because we don't have the time to do anything but like valuable content. We There's no lulls, there's no uh, casual, boring exposition. We're just like, oh man, we, we got to fit in all this stuff. And if your sketch goes along, that means another person's sketch isn't getting in and that's not fair. So we only do uh, like the cream of the crop content. And if you don't like a sketch, <laughs> then, then, then we have failed. We have failed. The cream of the crop was rotten. Um, but in Devil May Care, it, it's, it's still a good thing because I'm still in that mindset of like, I can only put in stuff that's valuable. Like if there's a boring line of dialogue, it's cut. You know, if there's regrettably some exposition, it's got to be done in an interesting way. Like I, I don't want people to ever be bored. So at the same time, 11 minutes is not that much to tell a real story. You know, I'm looking at the pilot and I'm like, I have to introduce all these characters. I have to get their personalities and relationships across. There's got to be a fun story that shows off what hell is all about. And I'm writing the script and the network is like, oh, you know, maybe 15 pages. And I'm like, oh my God, 15, that's it? So what I write ended up being like 22 pages. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to cut 25% out of this. And that really really lets you slice away uh, the chaff. It's like there's nothing in there that I would say could be cut anymore at this point. I'm like, if you cut that, that's that's the only joke in this area. If you cut that, that's a fact about the character that we would now lose. Um, I really hope that what's left is something that will keep the viewer's attention because I know, because I do it, they're watching TV while they're on their phones. So like there's literally other media begging for their eyeballs while they're watching the show. Uh, 
And that's the world we live in. So, I mean, we just can't, we can't survive lulls. And that's, that's the pressure that I, I put on myself when I'm writing these things. You know, it's interesting you say that because, well, I'm also thinking like back when Robot Chicken premiered, there wasn't the, the, the phone wasn't interesting enough to keep my attention, like in terms of what was on the TV, like the flip phones. Actually, I mean, flip phones do make an appearance in Devil May Care. Uh, and mm-hmm. they can record stuff too, which was remarkable. Uh, imagine, <laughs> I've seen I've well. seen pictures from like ten years ago that are like, how could I can't even post that? It's so blurry. Um, well, there's yeah, we take a few creative liberties of like, yeah, they only have flip phones, but let's just say they're good at streaming, also. Okay, no one's gonna no one's gonna question. That. <laughs> yeah, tick, TikTok on a. <laughs> I remember when the razor razor phone came out. How cool it was to be in high school with all of that. Yeah. Oh, it, totally. Well, like I, I, in watching, we watched a couple uh, robot chickens from across the couple of seasons. To uh, you know, once you reached out, and I just wanted to get back back into. I hadn't seen it in a while. I do have a habit of humming the original end credits. The but bum bum bum. That that is just that stuck with me for years and years and years. But um, it, it's it, I, I describe robot chicken kind of as as a stress. Not in a bad way, but it is kind of like a stressful show to watch because you can't look away. You are kind of glued. If you, you do look away, you do miss things. Well, uh, that's the first time I've heard anybody say it's stressful, and I, I'm sorry for that. No, no, no. It, it's it's not <laughs> like like um, we're, we're in the middle of a rewatch of The Wire, and sometimes my partners will gaze over to her phone, and then she'll like miss something on the screen, and I'm like, we have to rewind, and depending on what app you're using it on, sometimes that's... Uh, Hard or not, like you really, it, it's not a show designed to to look away, and that's, I mean, that's kind of a good thing in in, in this modern age when people are like, uh, with we, the the past Sundance, uh, we had some director introductions begging people to not look at their phones, and it's like, what an embarrassing yeah. world we're in. <laughs> it's well, don't get me started on cell phones. I really think they just activated a part of our minds and now we're, we're, we're really a different species now. We just had different priorities because we always have the phones in our hand, but that's, that's a different conversation. Um, <laughs> I think that with all the different ways you can watch a show nowadays, you know, things that end up on YouTube, you go adultswim.com. Uh, it's, it's accessible to the nth degree. I mean, I love the idea that people are actually old school watching it live like my God, that people might actually still do that, but we we launched the show around the same time that YouTube got going, right? And I think that was a huge part of people being aware of the show at first because people would just take one sketch and share it and be like, "Look at this, this is funny," instead of saying, "I've uploaded the whole episode. You only have to watch this thing at five minutes in," and that you know, it's just very direct. And there was a wave a few years later of all the companies realizing that YouTube taking everything for free was maybe not the best for their business. So they kind of clamped down on that and put it behind their paywalls. And that was sad because I think it's not as easy to have friends just jokingly share things anymore. But luckily we got in there um, before they did that. It's funny you mentioned that in the sense that um, with regards, I think about like the, um, on HBO Max, they've been finally kind of adding some of the more niche uh, Adult Swim shows that only did a couple of seasons, like Moral Oral or 12-Ounce Mouse. And I was thinking about how back in the day, 
those are types like I'm really into um, in terms of TV history, the shows that as kids we would have watched that we would never watch today because they weren't good or, or reruns that I know really well. Like a show like I really not not to single it out, but like I really hated Cat Dog growing up. And yet I've seen probably each episode of Cat Dog two or three times at least because it was on when I would have breakfast when I was watching uh, I was getting ready for school and a lot of people love that show but I think like there's really no comparison nowadays if you don't like a show you have billions of other things to watch yeah um, I I think about that all the time with my kids because when I was a kid and damn I'm, I'm old there were three channels and you know, then there were there were three networks and there were local channels. I grew up in New York, so there we had a, a few choices. But if we were dragged to like a relative's house on a Saturday, and you get away and you're turning on the TV, there's nothing targeted for you on. It's all right. adult stuff, so you had to choose what you're going to watch. And because of that, I was exposed to maybe like, you know, some classic comedy or some obscure, strange Japanese sci-fi that I never would have chosen to be exposed to. And my kids will never have that experience of watching something that they haven't already chosen to watch. And I wonder if that is narrowing their horizons. Like I have, I have a respect for like Laurel and Hardy because sometimes that's all I could watch for hours. And I get it. I get that classic comedy and I've seen so many obscure, uh, monster movies from japan that i never would have chosen like gamma is amazing but i never would have said oh let's watch that so i think pop culture has taken over our lives as as a prime concern but at the same time we may we as people may not be fully aware of what pop culture has to offer anymore and again this i can go on this i'm I'm just old man bitching now. (laughs) Well, that kind of leads into my next question, which is, you know, uh, Robot Chicken is a very, very reference-heavy show uh, to pop culture. Uh, There was an episode where you had, uh, that I watched recently, you had uh, Bob Barker. The whole joke is on the spay and neuter your pets thing, like something that that people probably younger than 20 have no, no knowledge of. And then he's dressed as uh, as Blade from the Wesley Snipes Blade, which is another superhero movie that's kind of become more niche. And like those are those are two things that your average kind of person sitting in front of the TV in two thousand five would probably uh, would understand. And yet, like now with so many different things to watch and listen, uh, there's so many choices now. I'm wondering, like if 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 our waning sense of collective consciousness for popular culture is making it harder to write comedy that just kind of wondering, you know, who is going to understand this humor? I think, I mean, that's something that we worry about in the show a lot because the people that started it are of all a relative, you know, same age. So we can't just keep pitching uh, sketches about like the 1980s GI Joe cartoon. Like that's out of the younger consciousness. It's not, it's not something they care about. So we make an effort to, Make, do more recent stuff. And sometimes it's things that I don't even know. And I just have to trust that the material is solid because enough people in the room are like, yeah, this is solid. I, I think we always also try to make an effort to make it funny for people that don't know the material. Like the joke can't just be uh-huh. some obscure reference and then 
you know, rim shot, ta-da. It's, it's got to be something that even if you're not an expert in, you know, the lore of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's funny. Like we, we had a sketch where the turtles weaponize their pizza, where they shoot flaming hot pizzas at, at their enemies and burn their skin. And I'm like, that's something you can understand, even if you've never seen the turtles. At the same time, if you're watching a sketch and you don't get it, you know, just wait, wait 10 seconds. There's going to be another one. Um, I mean, I, I'm so happy that the show ended up at Adult Swim, who gave us the freedom to do whatever we wanted and, uh, you know, accepted the sketch format. When it was being shopped around, it was being considered at other places that would have wanted uh, a single story presentation and maybe even a half an hour. And uh, I, I can't imagine what the show would have been. It would have been a fraction of its entertainment, in my opinion. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean that's a good point because I remember when you know alongside uh, when when Adult Swim was blowing up, uh, Family Guy was you, you know one of the just sort of weird uh, singular pop culture success stories of a show that had been off the air, canceled, and then <laughs> uh, came back. But I remember like uh, so, so many of my friends in like high school and eighth grade would be like quoting this stuff, and like I I was always kind of the TV nerd of the friend group. I I had a my parents bought me my own TiVo for my bedroom because they were sick of me filling up the theirs. Uh, so I, so I got to like, I had a much bigger, broader knowledge of pop culture. And sometimes like, you guys don't understand these, these references. And yeah, I mean, kind of the way you describe it is, uh, is, uh, you know, that, that kind of puts that all in perspective and, uh, to ask a devil may care question. Um, you know, we're living in this kind of Renaissance of, uh, so I've been a big (laughs) Alan Tudyk fan for, uh, since, uh, Firefly and, uh, whenever people ask me what what film critics got wrong, I always say A Knight's Tale. That was uh, such an it's an iconic film beyond the fact that most of the cast like were kind of unknowns at the time. Um, but he's always been kind of he's had a kind of his his thing. He's he's um he's he's really a fun comedic talent. And uh, now between uh, Resident Alien, uh, he was the narrator on the first season of Doom Patrol. Uh, and and now with with also your show, it's kind of been fun to see him uh, kind of get his get his due finally as somebody who's, who's been following him for so long. Yeah, you know, I I was introduced to him on uh, Firefly, uh, so that's all I knew him at first. And then when I saw him in other roles, I was like, oh, this guy's like a a fun chameleon. Um, and sometimes, in my opinion, maybe they utilize him in a way that goes too far like he was a uh i forget what ethnicity he was but the character he played in one of those transformers movies i thought was a little over the top and anyone that remembers that movie maybe agrees with me um but he is just fun like i i I don't know how to describe it better than that but he's he's just fun he's laughing he has his own jokes um and he really understands the characters that he's voicing and runs with it. And there's a lot of times where he's just stopping and he says, you know what would be funny here? And I'm like, no, tell me, you know, let's go for it. He, I mean, I, I don't think people can get tired of using him as an actor in their shows. I think he's going to be like 80 years old and still, you know, like, all right, I'm a, I'm a leaf on the wind. Okay. You know, it's, <laughs> he's, he- yeah, he he sells every role that uh, he's in, and it's like such an over the top uh, 
manner. Like uh, I'm thinking his his role in uh, Doom Patrol, kind of subverting all of the superhero tropes. But in in Devil May Care, uh, he, you know, you could have a really over the top, maniacally evil uh, uh, devil as as you know, and that 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 could be funny for about a billion different reasons. But the way you wrote the show, instead, like he's he's a mentor figure to Beans. Uh, not 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 to not to like get into like cement. He he is a devil who who kind of does care some of the time. Well, you know the the way I pitched that character and his relationship with Beans to the networks was: imagine you're the guy who's in charge of the team that is developing the Zune at Microsoft. You are doing a great job. You have the best data for your research. You have the best team. You have the best relationship with the uh, recording student. Like you're, you, you're amazing. Top of your top of your class. Then you hire an intern that used to work at Apple, and this intern is looking around and he's like, "This this is a train wreck." Now, how does this intern tell his boss that the whole team, this whole product they're working on, is is not good? He can't. He can't just come out and say it. So. That's the way I saw this here is that everything in hell is like the Zune version of reality. It's all, the intent is right, but it's all wrong. And Beans happens to be the only one that kind of sees it for what it is, whereas no one else has, has really just been on Earth recently, at least, to know that this recent supply of uh, products that showed up is bad. They have no idea. Everything is awesome. So I love that. <laughs> that contrast where the devil is, uh, I shouldn't say the devil, he's just devil. He's so excited about things like, oh, fidget spinners, I, these are amazing. And Beans is like, I, yeah, <laughs> I guess, I guess so. Um, I and it's, it's earnest. Like, you know, I'm, I'm never, that's, that's something I'm always conscious of when writing the, the material is that you can't just have someone say, oh, look, um, Highlander 2 is playing at the theater. Let's ha ha ha. Let's <laughs> let's run with that. That's it's too easy. It's boring. So are there jokes like that in the show? Yes, but they're relegated to like things in the background. Like you might in one scene have a character walking down the street and you'll notice that Highlander 2 is like for sale on a on a on a Blu-ray or something. Probably not a Blu-ray, a DVD. What what was Blu-ray's competitor that went nowhere? Um, uh HD DVD. There you go. So HDDVs is what they have in hell, let's say. Um, <laughs> and the stuff that comes to the foreground really needs to be something that is open to interpretation. It's something you can think about. There's some direction you can take it. Um, and that is something that is sometimes a give and take. Like I would love to do an episode just talking about how bad Star Trek V is, but I think I'd be the only one. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we've done some really niche Star Trek, uh, we brought a whole medical, we had three doctors on to, I, I posed the question, what would happen if a transgender Vulcan underwent the Ponfar? And I was thinking <laughs> of like all the Vulcan physiology, like the organs that, that move at a more rapid pace, you'd need more, uh, yeah, sure. that's, uh, yeah, that's probably more of a podcast, Star Trek five, probably more of a podcast topic than a network, <laughs> like a basic cable network show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh. And I, I was, I was, I was kind of waiting because uh, my favorite, 
Robot Chicken, I think, was was really the first time. I, as I've always had a soft spot. I did a, a feature for Fan Sided on uh, the Phantom Menace. I've always had a, a soft spot for it. I always, I always think that Jar Jar Binks has been kind of used as a lightning rod for criticism that is probably better appropriated toward the. I, I think Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are much much worse. So for you guys to bring Ahmad Best in and uh, have have a lot of fun with that, I, I would. I, it spoke to me on a level, and I was kind of wondering, you know, is is Devil May Care? Are they going to do Star Wars or not? And I, I can't think. I, I'm sure like somebody has mentioned Rise of Skywalker or something, but uh, the way that the way that your show handled it, I thought was was very funny. Well, the episode where we play with Star Wars, uh, the new movies a little bit, I think is the one that's coming out this week. The uh, the shipment episode where God explains what hell is all about, um, and. I don't, I don't want to say exactly what the point is, but when you look at a character like Jar Jar, there's the older generation that grew up with the original trilogy, and he's Jar Jar's cancer. He's a cancer in, in, in the Star Wars mythos. If you talk to little kids, they love him. And I can't wrap my head around that because I'm, I'm one of the older generation guys, but do we respect that they love it or do we try to talk them out of it? Are we like, no, you here's why he's garbage son. You know, you can't love Jar Jar. It's great slapstick comedy. <laughs> yeah. And even, even in robot chicken, we played with Jar Jar a few times, but we were careful to find ways to have fun with him. That isn't making fun of him. Right. And you do that very um, well. Thank you. Well, there was a sketch where, Jar Jar finds Darth Vader and is like, Annie, it's, it's me. It's me. And he because the helmet. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, Darth Vader grew up friends with Jar Jar and that's something to mine, but it's, it's not just, Oh, by the way, Jar Jar is garbage. Um, and that, that's, that's often the trick. I mean, we, when we are in the robot chicken writers room, we, we always tell new writers, you can't just have a sketch where someone is standing there pointing at something and saying, this is why that sucks. Right. You really need to just run with it and, and have that be a subtext and have fun with uh, the circumstances that you're playing with. Well, we've seen that kind of evolution a lot in the LGBTQ community, uh, especially within the trans community where um, you know trans people would be more of the object of, of, of ridicule or projectile vomiting or that kind of stuff. And uh, now... You know, I don't see that as much, and I, like, I'm kind of wondering. You know, is when when the aha moment came, where like, okay, maybe we should let up on this kind of stuff across. You don't see it as much. I think the uh, really the only recent one I can really think of that was doing it. Uh, there was one South Park last year that was really cringy, but um, you know, that, that you could say that about a lot of the stuff they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's funny. I think we've always how to phrase this. I think people have always been comfortable making fun of quote unquote other, like, you know, there's, yep. we're Americans, we're, we're heterosexual usually, you know, for the most part. So we can make fun of the Japanese. We can use their racial stereotypes because we're not Japanese. We'll just make fun of them, you know, and we'll, we'll say that gay is an insult. If you to a man, it's like, Oh, you're so gay. Oh, ha ha ha. Laugh track. But over the past 15, 10, 15 years, it's like people suddenly realize that they're all human beings also. And they're like, oh. And 
slowly those jokes are not funny anymore. They're more like, oh, man, don't be an asshole, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's great because, you know, your default purpose in life can't be to be a punchline in stories. Um, and when people say, oh, you take it too far, I'm not so sure. Um, I, when people tell me it's taken it too far, I always ask them, well, what would you do if you weren't trying to be respectful? And then it just becomes an awkward conversation because they have, they have nothing to say. Um, and, you know, Robot Chicken is, is guilty of that as well. If you look at the early episodes, we, uh, we say things that now we would really recoil and be like, oh, no, you can't say that. That's, that's not even right. Um, because all this stuff really hit as a wave over the past, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah. And I, I don't know where that came from. Maybe it's the internet. Maybe people seeing other people online all the time and realizing that we're all human beings. I think it is kind of the visibility thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think the internet is one of the worst inventions in the history of the universe. <laughs> but it has a few silver linings, and I, I guess that's one of them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, President McKinley was an interesting. I, I, I would study history a lot in college, and uh, I like the saying the presidents a lot. He's it's kind of I, I, in my head. I've been like I, I keep thinking like why McKinley, but besides the fact that uh, he's kind of like a butler character in Devil May Care for people who haven't uh, watched the show. Um, and it, it, it's funny, and I think like it's kind of a balance of you know he's not like the most beloved president in the world, but if you look at in terms of the stuff that he did bad, it's also not really that either. Well, you know, I was trying to figure out who could be the devil's left hand man, which is a joke that. I don't know if everybody gets that like the left hand is supposed to be the left is sinister. It's like a, a devil thing. So he would call someone as a left hand man instead of his right yep. hand man. I'm so fucking clever. I got to tell you. <laughs> um, but I thought that if he has anyone to pick from to be his number two, he would pick someone that has incredible experience in, in running things. And I thought, you know, a United States president would be perfect. And at the same time, I always laugh at the fact that when you get past George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, there's there's like a a wave of presidents that doesn't end until you get to like Rose, Teddy Roosevelt of yep. just people in black coats and black hats that look old. They call them the do nothing presidents if you study yeah. them in school. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, one of those, one of those, because not only does it give you the conflict of someone that used to be in charge now taking orders but it's also someone that we can say is really old school and can make be unhappy with modern stuff so i just went to wikipedia and started looking at all the presidents and i came to mckinley and his photograph freaked me out he has such an intense <laughs> an intense resting face that i was like ah and I was like, that's my guy. That's him. <laughs> and I just lucked out because as I read about his story after I saw the picture, the fact that he was president during the Spanish-American War and aspects of that war seem odd nowadays. Like he really did invade Puerto Rico. And I guess in a period of time, that was a legit military move. Now it seems like you're what? You're invading Puerto Rico. What? So he's just a treasure trove. Like I, if he has, if he has 
great grandchildren who are fans of the show. I'd love to meet them. <laughs> that that's a you know because because Van Buren, I've seen Van Buren in in Broadway shows, uh, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Um, he's kind of like often he's like very swampy, toady kind of guy who became president like in the early. He works. It's it's very funny. He's one of my my favorite characters. Last question, kind of a broad. It's kind of a tough question to ask uh, sure. uh, creators to kind of sort of look at their own legacy. But as somebody who who loves Adult Swim, the history of Adult Swim, I'd love to write a book about it someday. Robot Chicken is is well poised to really go down as the longest running adult swim show it's easy to believe that robot chicken and, and rick and morty you know, people always say oh cable tv is going away i mean i don't see that happening for uh at least like 10 years or something but it, it is easy kind of to believe of a world that they go on longer than adult swim does and uh to, to kind of look at the legacy of being the head writer for you know the w- w- one of the pivotal shows that defines such an important era of, of animated of animation it's uh you know it 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 uh, is that something that you guys like think about the fact that you know when when Aqua Dean went off went off the air it kind of eyes went to you as sort of the one that will have the record for that I don't think we ever think of ourselves that way and maybe we do once in a while then we realize we're being douchebags and and (laughs) um it's so strange to hear you say all that because I remember very specifically when we were working on where the hell were we in the process? I don't, let's say the end of season one. And the earlier episodes in the season had already aired, even though we were still wrapping up the end of the season. And Entertainment Weekly reviewed us, and they gave us an A. And I'm like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Because we're not, we weren't trying. I mean, it's, it's, it's a strange thing to say, but it's like we weren't really trying to be a great show. We were just doing what makes us laugh. And... I guess we never stopped and to have people laugh with us is great, but to say it's something important is strange um, because we're not, we're not important people. It, yeah. I mean, it, well, not, yeah, you're not important people, but yeah, <laughs> I get, I, yeah, I get that. Uh, I get that sensation. Like when Aqua Teen ended and uh, the Patty Smith, the iconic Patty Smith, released this song like a kind of like an epitaph to Aquatine, and I'm like, you know, fi- finally people are understanding this show, and you know, as, as you described with Entertainment Weekly, uh, you know, it, it's it's a hilarious show to go uh, check out on HBO Max, and uh, it's aged pretty well. A couple transgender jokes here and there, not 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 so good, but by and large, uh, really 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 fun fun TV and uh, Devil May Care is uh, really a great great show too and I, I encourage people to check it out it, it's interesting to you know to talk with you and uh, hear about your your creative process and uh, the world the world building there and the color scheme and the voice it's it's really it's a it's an impressive show congratulations oh thank you so much for saying all that and uh, everybody yeah it, it so it's on sci-fi is it on peacock I, I it's hard to keep I don't track. think so I think the first few episodes are available on NBC.com for free. Okay. And then after that, they're like, hey, if you like it, give me money. So it is yeah. hard to imagine that it won't turn up there eventually. Uh, I know yeah. some of their CNBC slate is even on there. Yeah, it's uh, they cover a lot of stuff. But uh, Devil May Care, uh, I'm sure it'll be on the Sci-Fi Channel. In, uh, uh, it's on on Sundays, Sunday nights. and Saturday uh, at midnight. Saturday at midnight. Or technically Sunday at 
midnight. It's I never I can't understand what. The fuck <laughs> well, uh, I'll link to a link to where people can check it out. Set your DVRs. Uh, fun show, Douglas. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And uh, to everybody listening, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. <laughs>